So, welcome to Call of Cthulhu Part Two. Yes. Um, With a sl- oh, slightly different, slightly different mob this time. So, um, Shimin Bank, you, you, you've um, run and indeed written quite a lot of Call of Cthulhu adventures. It's true. Um, how how, how did you meet the game? Um, <laughs> that's that's a funny story, and I don't know if you already know that. Um, but so, um, let's, let's rewind quite a few years. Um, there was a time when for my sins, I was working in one of the many Bodleian libraries and I had, which I'll discuss at another point, many years, many, many years earlier, I had come across the concept of role-playing games accidentally in America. Um, (laughs) but, um... I had been listening to a actual play of one of the, the Dungeons and Dragons things for the new edition. Um, they that just, been third, fourth, fourth. It was fourth at that point. Um, they started doing some podcasts of it, uh, which I'd run across and gone, "Oh, okay, well, this is quite interesting. I wonder if anyone else is doing this podcasting thing." Um, Unrelatedly, I was wondering if there were any interesting role-playing materials uh, in the Bodleian Libraries, <laughs> and uh, decided to run a quick search through the catalogue, and something came up, uh, which was uh, Tales from the Table, a mm-hmm. Lovecraftian DVD. I should have prepared and had the blurb uh, with me. Let's see if I can find it. Tales from the Table... ISDC. Tales from the Table. Horror on the Orient Express and the Masks of Nelat Hotep uh, DVD. Um, which is a compilation of two of their campaigns of Call of Cthulhu plus a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, when we say our friends at YSDC, we're not just being podcast polite. They, they, these are, I think, friends of all of us. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, at the time, hello, Paul. Hello, yeah. Helen. Hello, Paul. Hey, hello, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so, at the time, I had no idea what this was, but the thing which stuck in my mind was um, that this, uh, this, this, this thing was coming up, and on the catalogue record, it said type computer game. <laughs> which was clearly wrong. Uh, and so I called it up and uh, double-checked and sent a correction request to the cataloguing team, um, which was the most important part of the whole affair, obviously. Um, of course. But um, as a result of this, I discovered the existence of YSDC.com and promptly descended into a rabbit hole from which I have never emerged. <laughs> um, uh, speaking of which, uh, if you happen to come across a uh, uh, the story horror, the horror under Warren down at some point, it's worth a look. It's quite fun. Um, but, um, yeah, so I... I got introduced to Call of Cthulhu via recordings of the, well, then the Bradford players, now the 
uh, Innsmouth House players mm-hmm. doing Horror on the Orient Express and Masks of Nalapotep. Um, as a result of which, I realised I should actually read some Lovecraft, which I, <laughs> I, I was aware of the existence of this person before that. Um, as a weird horror writer, and I think I might have accidentally read some, a short story of his somewhere, but not, you know, many, many years earlier when I was far too young for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, that was a point to which I did that, and also started listening to the H.P. Lovecraft Literary Podcast. Good stuff, uh, there, yeah. Hello, Chris. Hello, Chad. Um, <laughs> And um, that... not, not that this is a small incestuous community or anything. No, not at all. I've never even met Chad. Um, <clears throat> but um, you know, and that that all it, the timing meant that it, it all reinforced itself because I was reading stories, I was getting involved in the forums where people were talking about. It, I was listening to people playing it. I was listening to the stories being discussed in this very interesting way, and uh, it all felt very much like something I would I would like to get involved in. Um, although it was quite a few years before I actually managed to, um, but that was the, that was the introduction for me. Mm. Um, um, interesting that all of us discovered Lovecraft the author from the game. Mm. None of us had actually ever read him before prior to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean to be fair, I don't think I think outside of. I think they, it was kind of just start. I think it was just starting back up in, in the states. But I think in the UK, I don't think you would have, because um, it, I, I, I do think it was Call of Cthulhu that kind of. Yeah, I mean th- th- those those Panther anthologies we talked about last time had come yeah. out before Call of Cthulhu was available here, but th- I, I certainly never saw one until after the game had got started. No, no. Yeah, and obviously I came to things. A bit later on, um, but I still think it was it. It's I think it's still only in the last ten years that I've actually expected to see Lovecraft books. If you just walk into a bookshop, mm. um, you know that 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 before that, yes, you might have seen some, but. Um, you know, it, it was not automatically going to be there. Whereas I think these days, if you go into a high street bookshop, it's all, you know, a substantial bookshop or Waterstones or something. Or something, he says, like there's any other bookshops. Um, <laughs> there are still bookshops. No, there, are, there, there, are, there are still, there are still independent bookshops, but I'm afraid Waterstones is, is probably the last of the chains. Yeah. Um, but you Smiths. know. You might the, actually see it in Smiths, actually. Yeah, Smiths. Um, you know, you do, but you do walk into bookshops these days, and you actually, typically, if it's a substantial bookshop that actually has, you know, a, a, for example, rather than you know having two shelves of science fiction, fantasy, horror, has actual separate sections. I'd expect yeah. to see at least something by Lovecraft on there. Yeah, I mean, I, I have heard relative newcomers to to Cthulhu saying, "I just can't take it seriously because my first exposure to this stuff was Cthulhu plushies." But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whereas um, John's first exposure to expo- first exposure to plushies was via Cthulhu. So there we <laughs> are. the circle the circle is the circle is is, is squared. So there we are. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, 
Yeah, a few years after that. So that was that was uh, that was still before I had ever actually participated in a role playing game. Right. Um, a bit after that, I ran my first role playing game, which was not called Um And a couple of years later, I think I actually, you know, once once had read quite a lot and listened to quite a lot of. Mostly YSDT playing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually ran The Haunting, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, which was um, a, a spectacular, in many senses, <laughs> uh, introduction to Call of Cthulhu. Which ended up being a two-parter because uh, after about the first three hours, the party had escaped from the house in their hot air balloon, spectacularly botched a ballooning roll and been swept off in a storm, finally winding up in Shrewsbury Abbey. <laughs> Apparently in an alternate timeline where it was still a sh- where it was still an abbey. Um, uh, so yeah, it was it was um yeah, it it was uh, frustrating. These things happen. Yeah. Um but yeah, that was it. That was me. Cool. And uh, I, I've certainly you, you, you've recorded quite a few adventures. I think that, that's with your fairly local group, isn't it? Um, yeah. So I've recorded something with my Oxford people, and uh, I've recorded a couple of others with the Sheffield group that I have been with more recently. Mm-hmm. And of course, I um, somehow persuaded you lots to let me run something. <laughs> oh, which uh, is very good. It was yeah. great fun. Glad you enjoyed it. Uh, next time, I'll get you to actually see something scary. Well, as opposed to there might be something scary over there. Right, we'll run away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're, we're all old and cynical and paranoid role players. So this can... <laughs> <laughs> it, it was great. Basically, you had a nice tour of a small country village for a couple of sessions, and then went home. Oh uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But I mean, that's one of the things I like. You know that that's not going to happen in a Dungeons and Dragons game. Mm. I mean that's uh, and to a certain extent this is this is probably actually this takes me takes I think takes us nicely onto some of the limitations of Call of Cthulhu where because it's normal people not necessarily in a in a in a, ti- in a time scale where you would at least understand how they roughly how they would think in 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 a lot of cases. Mm. Maybe once we get into the Middle Ages, maybe not. But um, de- but definitely in Victoria Victorian of nineteen twenties. When else have I played in nineteen fifties, nineteen eighties, and so on and so forth? Um, if you have not, if there is no reason for you to to do it, yeah, any normal person goes. I'll just phone the police. And you get out of the way and you go, eh, do you know what? Not my problem. Yeah, I, I think I think there are two angles to that. Um, one is run one shots. So, yes. you know, you, you, your motivation is, I would quite like to keep breathing. Mm. Yes. I want to get out of this. Uh, I, I agree that if, if you have the people who meet the horror 
and survive it, and they go back and meet, meet more horror. Sooner or later, it's not really a horror game anymore. It, it's, yes. it, it's a We Hunt Monsters game. There's nothing wrong with that, but it, but it's a different style, it's a different feel. It mm. is. It is very much so. Um, it's almost, you know, it moves from being... Um, Alien to alien, uh, alien to aliens is the is the yeah. in my mind is is the kind of classic thing where you've actually got a bunch of people who um, are basically being you know killed by by one alien versus a bunch of people killing lots and lots of aliens. The fact that there's more of them than they can kill is immaterial, but they actually know what they're doing and they're um, mm. you know that and they are reasonably competent. Um, I mean, it's. I, I think uh, the prequel that uh, Nick did for the for for masks mm. uh, is a very good example of that because mm. um, we came very close to just going. Well, we're not going there, and neither are you. To uh, to to our good friend. Um, oh, I can't remember his name now. My brain's got Tro- trouble. Magnet. Yes, indeed. Yes, the trouble. Yes. <laughs> I can't remember the, the Jack, Jackson guy's name, Elias. But, uh, Jackson Elias, that's it. The, uh, our good friend Jackson Elias. But, uh. Yeah, um, well, also, you know, the YSDC Walker in the Wastes, where at the end of part one of the campaign, the, the, the characters decided and the, and the players clearly couldn't really come up with a justification for going otherwise that, okay, we've done the thing, we've survived, we're quite happy where we are, we're not going to chase this down to the far side of the world. And, no. and, and they brought mm-hmm. in a new set of PCs. Yeah. It is. It is definitely an issue um, because, with being relatively realistic people, you don't have. So, so I think it's two things. You know, one is most normal people, or even even the kind of normal that you get in characters <laughs> built specifically for a role playing game like this one. <laughs> um, unless you're playing particularly odd characters, even for Call of Thulu, you know, most people are not heavily motivated to deliberately throw themselves at terrifying and obviously deadly problems yeah. for no clear reason. You know, we're not adventurers. Well, I mean, and, and more importantly, for no obvious gain, and in fact, actually, more likely than not, um, the chance of um, insanity and and, uh, and or rig, uh, ridicule and humiliation at the absolute minimum. So, exactly. That that's that's kind of part two. You know, there's you're not the kind you're not really the kind of people who want to adventure. It's not Dungeons and Dragons, no. Um, and there is no obvious benefit from doing it in in a in a, a general sense. Obviously, when it's yes, I I don't want this monster to devour my legs. We can get behind that. Um, yes, but when it's why don't we sail to the island of the leg eating monsters? Yeah, which is a long way away and not doing me any harm. Yeah, but, you yeah know. May, maybe they're going to eat the world in twenty years' time, or maybe they're not. Yeah, but but meanwhile, my boss is telling me I've had quite enough holiday, and there's yeah. lots of paperwork to get it on with. Now, that's a motivation I don't think I've ever seen done. I mean, if if you read contemporary fiction of the twenties, your your standard adventurer type is somebody who had a relatively good war and misses the excitement. But mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think I've ever actually seen that as a motivation for an adventure in a, in a Call of Cthulhu game, which really it ought to be. To a certain extent, actually. Yeah, you're thirty nine stats. If and you so on. think yes, so if so, if you think actually, to be fair, in Nick's game, 
you had your character Roger and mine both of who were um, decorated war heroes in mm-hmm. inverted commas sort of thing um, and that was at least part at least part of it especially for uh, f- for mine who yeah. basically it was it was an excuse to basically carry on flying mm-hmm. uh, to a mm-hmm. certain extent so uh, yeah fair point yeah but 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 no, I don't think we actually. I don't think we actually talked that talked up that side of it anywhere near as much as we possibly could have. And maybe that actually uh, going forwards, um, especially for nineteen twenty for nineteen mm. uh, twenties uh, uh, Call of Cthulhu, which at the end of the day is kind of the classic one, mm. and, and, yeah. and, and and probably the one that I still enjoy the most. Um, I think maybe I think my well. Okay, that that possibly might change my next ca- change somewhat my next character for masks. So there we are. All <laughs> not so much the character, but uh, not, more his motivation for doing it. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that's oh, good. Um, I mean, the <clears throat> other thought as well, <clears throat> and one of the things that we did, kind of, I think we we kind of brushed on, but I'm not sure we how much we talked about it last time. Obviously, we have all the various different flavours of Cthulhu. We have sort of classic, and then we have pulp. And uh, there's a list on my SDC of not only all the flavours of Call of Cthulhu, but all, all the uh, actual separate Lovecraftian RPGs. There's a very dedicated person trying to keep track of them all. Mm, yeah, They're really, which, rather a lot. Yeah, which there are many. But uh, I see. I, I would actually argue. Could if somebody spent the time, I don't know, taking. I mean, again, the game we're in the middle of playing is Masks. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, the, for, for, for those who uh, have played it, please no spoilers. Um, uh, well, some of us have listened to YSDC playing it, and I've just forgotten oh. it. <laughs> uh, yes, well, that's that's very true, but that's a, that's a whole different different argument. Uh, uh, yes, because it's a, every so often I, I get I get a flashback, and I think, oh God, Paul got himself killed at this point, didn't he? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but that could be virtually any occurrence. Uh, it yeah. could be, yes. That's 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 fair enough. Uh, so, uh, um, yeah, uh, but um, so I think. Based on probably our sort of propensity and bits of pieces, were somebody to say, I don't know, translate it all into GURPS, which GURPS has got a quite nice uh, way of handling horror. It'll handle um, uh, insanity and phobias. I yeah, would argue it, 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 prob- does, it doesn't have a progressive loss system quite the way Call uh, of does, but it's it's not hard to write one, and I have done so. Yes, mm. indeed. Um, I would argue that probably as a and 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 definitely as a system, um, it is head and shoulders above where. Uh, um, well, depending depending on what you want, but certainly it's, it's, it tends to be what I run a game in, and I have yes. I have run Lovecraftian GURPS several times. Yes, yes. So. well, yes, I've pl- I, uh, I have played, played in it. several of them, <laughs> uh, but uh, um, you got me in my first character death. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that was the underwater one, wasn't it? Yes, it was a fine yes. way to go. <laughs> so yeah, but uh, yeah, no. Um, so, would we? Do we think that we would lose anything by going to Gerbs than playing in sort of standard 
Call of Cthulhu? Well, I would say, as a GURPS enthusiast, um, yes. Specifically, even if you are fairly au fait with the system, creating a character takes a while. Yes. Mm. Um, we, well, we, we w- it wouldn't make sense to, to have an on-air character generation session. I know some people don't like them anyway, but... I, but uh, there's too much. Now I'm going to check this particular thing in the in, in the book and make sure it does what I want. And, oh. so on. and in Call of Cthulhu, you know, if 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 there's a big fight scene and um, somebody gets killed, chances are they can have a new character ready by the end of the fight. That's yeah. true. Yeah. In fact, um, something I used to do in one of my previous jobs when I was having a particularly stressful day was go and have a sandwich in the basement and uh, randomly generate a Call of Cthulhu character. <laughs> um, the, the the one true way, obviously, by rolling dice in strict order and then seeing mm. what possible explanation I could have for those statistics. <laughs> mm. um, but, yep. yeah, you know, it ca- and actually that's, that's one of the things... I made a few notes while I was listening to the, the podcast, um, the previous one of these. Um... You know, and you did talk about how how simple uh, many things are about it. And one of the things, you know, as someone like you, Mark, who plays a lot of Pathfinder, yeah. Um, if my players do something unexpected in the game of Pathfinder, and I realise I need statistics for something, that is in itself a sand roll um, because. Yeah. You know, just like with GURPS, I suppose there are so many bits which interact with each other. And yes, you can you can throw something together in your head for oh, it should probably have about this many hit points, or it's you know if it's an NPC that they're trying to cast a spell on, and the only thing you need is a saving throw. You know, you can sort of have a quick think about what that saving throw might be. Yeah. Mm. Um, but in Call of Cthulhu, you know, if if they say I. Oh, why don't we ask this fisherman to help us um, repair this? You know, this motor. I can, you know, I can guess what are appropriate stats in approximately five seconds. Mm. Yeah, and the published adventures uh, didn't mm-hmm. didn't always take themselves terribly seriously, which I think is good at this. <coughs> I mean, I seem to remember there's one one of the Orient Express NPCs who, whose highest skill is agree with wife. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean that's it. You know, when, so when I'm making, if I, if I'm writing an adventure, I mean, if I'm writing it for anyone else to look at, I would put together some approximation of official-looking stats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if it's one for me, I would completely ignore their stats. I would make a note of the top five skills that I think they should have, most of which aren't actually even the official skills because I'll sort of roll together what sort of things am I going to want them to do. Sure. Mm. Um, you know, be larcenous, you know, 60%. Um, fighting, you know, 50%, whatever it might be, you know. That, mm. But in very, very broad strokes. And that's all you need. You don't, you know, because yeah. humans have about 10 hit points... It doesn't actually matter what your stats are unless you've got a damage bonus and that's what you care about. Yeah, I mean, if, um, if you assume a human has 10 hit points unless he's especially tough or especially <laughs> weedy, the system yeah. is, is not going to betray you for doing that. No. Uh, you know, you, there's, there's no... Uh, 
you know, there's no pitfalls to run to. You you can create the statistics as you go for a character based on what they decide to do. And I think probably all of us can also do that for a monster if we need to. Mm. If it's Call of Cthulhu, because you can go, do I think it's... Is it something tough enough that a handgun should bounce off it? Is it something tough enough that it doesn't care if you've got a shotgun? You know, you, you can quickly... You can put it in a bucket quite easily of mm-hmm. what sort of thing it is. And roughly how much devastation you think it should wreak on whatever it goes near. <laughs> and that, you know... Oh, and of course, how much sanity loss looking at it causes. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm not as experienced, I think, as, as you guys are uh, actually running the system, but I can still look through and say, okay, you know, a comparable monster is a bit like this. Mm. And and I can mix and match that a bit. And again, it's not going to break things. Mm. Yeah. It's, I, I find, and from a, from a, you know, running games point of view, that's hugely important because I, even though, I know Cthulhu tends towards published adventures. I haven't actually run that many published things because I tend to want to riff on my own ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, but even if I'm running a published adventure, I don't tend to want to cleave too closely to the written material. I very much like to mm. have a more reaction to the what the, the players are interested in. Yeah, I mean, e- even a substantial adventure isn't going to cover everything players get up to. and We, we know it isn't, so... Mm. Yeah, and I think one of the advantages of Cthulhu as a as a setting, as a as a as a game, is that it is much more forgiving than many others of people wanting to do things that seem reasonable and aren't in the adventure. Yeah, mm. um, yeah. I mean, for, for a start, I'm, I, I'm not not trying to diss Pathfinder here, but. As somebody who hasn't played it, I get the impression that it cares a lot about combat balance and is this an appropriate encounter for this party? Mm-hmm. Yes, very much so. Um, it's, 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 it, it and D and D are at least part of the design of it is that you can play it. Um, you can take your character and go and play in a, in a tournament. Sure. And you have a balanced character that, um, at third level, if you, you're, if you're a third level X and there are third level Y, uh, Z, Y, A, B, Cs, you're all roughly on, on par with each other. Yeah, no, not, not just you've powerful. got these skills, but you've got about this much magic, this much yeah, yeah. neat kit and so on. Uh, and, 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 and there is really, you know, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that at all. Mm. Yeah, but it's, but it's not Cthulhu, yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, but, 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 conversely, you can actually, you know, in Call of Cthulhu, um, uh, I don't think it's actually happened this time, but what we have had happen in the past, um, is, um, we have characters who are, well, um, you're, um, Achtung Cthulhu was probably quite a good example mm. where I foolishly rolled up a commando mm-hmm. and everyone else rolled up somebody who um, oh there's this war malarkey I suppose we better actually think about doing something towards that <laughs> you know and not being funny about it when yeah. we have an opera singer yeah. um, whose main skill was being an opera singer 
but not in German. Importantly, but not it, but but, but it couldn't <laughs> speak German. Which, oh well, again, you, you, you know the, these modern op- these modern operas are just you can't take them seriously. Well, this is it, you know. So uh, uh, yeah, so basically, uh, and you then have uh, you know, and, and, and that kind of. Uh, okay, partly as well. That was that was great fun uh, from a role playing uh, point of view, and we had a great time doing yeah. it. But you wouldn't ever go anywhere any down any of that road with Pathfinder. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Or if you did, it would be you've decided that's what you're going to do, and the GM is either preparing things that are suitable for a ridiculous you know, non-optimised party, um, you know, or they're, they're doing that sort of on the fly and making appropriate adjustments because mm. you think that's going to be fun. Yeah. But it's, it's very much not the the default style of play, whereas Call of Cthulhu is much more forgiving of people who just aren't very good. Mm. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, uh, I mean, my character in Achtung is, in theory, a serviceman, but he's a radio operator. Yes. So he doesn't. He, yes, he's fine at the fighting stuff, but he's actually not that great at it. Mm-hmm. But it was completely fine. It didn't matter. Um, you know, it obviously influenced what happened, but it doesn't. You know, it, it, it's turning out that you've got slightly the less optimized skill set for whatever you're doing is not such a big deal. To be fair, Shim, at least your skills were vaguely relevant. <laughs> <laughs> well, except for all the points in radio. <laughs> Mm, well, mm. well, it just so happened that it, this time it didn't, it, it, it you know, it, it didn't actually, it wasn't useful. I, th- mm. There could easily be games where that isn't the case. Oh, yeah, but I just mean, you know, so we have a full spectrum, really, because we had your character who was pretty much exactly what we needed. We had my character who was, you know, in the right approximate area, but wasn't the person you'd, you know, pick out of the volunteers to... Obviously they did, but you know, isn't the first person you'd think of for this exact mission. And we had Nick's character who got assigned to us, but doesn't not, no, no one was quite sure why. Yeah, <laughs> um, but actually, everyone was able to participate and have fun. Nobody felt like I can't really do anything here, which is the problem that you get in games that are much more concerned with mechanical balance and so on. Yeah, yes, I, I think what, one of the things about it is. Perhaps because it started off as BRP, which in itself is essentially a combat system with some skills. There's so much that happens in a Call of Cthulhu game that you effectively have to narrate. Because Mm. you're never going to have a mechanical support for it unless you have a hugely complex system, which it isn't. That things just happen in terms of the stuff you can narrate, and that in itself is good fun. Mm. Mm. Um, Yeah, I think it's, you know, it is intuitive, it's quite easy to to adjust the difficulty of things. Um, it's quite easy to gauge, you know, just things like how difficult is it going to be to climb over a wall? You know, it's okay, it's about as difficult as climbing over a wall is because it's based on mm-hmm. relatively realistic people and relatively realistic activities. Obviously, all, all just the wrestling with tentacled horrors, but I mean... Yeah, but but, um, but if you wrestle a wild dog, it's going to come out more or less. Yeah, yeah, it's you're probably not very good at it. Is the the crucial mm-hmm. uh, point to bear in mind? Yeah, have either of you ever played uh, Delta Green? 
Um, I did when it first came out, and I actually then read a, read a bit of the fan fiction. Oh, not the fan fiction. Actually, the actual fiction that was actually released <laughs> at the time wasn't actually. It read a bit like fan fiction, but actually wasn't bad. There was some nice. There was there were some nice concepts uh, in it, um, and um, yeah. So it, you kind of. I mean, um, yeah, that was majestic, and um, I can't remember who the other group was. But but your government agents, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and okay, sometimes you might be a cipher clerk, but I get the impression mm. that at least some of the time that the, these are people with guns and reasonable training using them. Yes. Not that's going to help against tentacled horrors, but mm. it, well, it, no, it's I mean, that was the whole point of um, Cthulhu Modern was basically you know the the, the, the whole thing of you know what happened. Right, so you get Cthulhu, you nuke him, he goes away, and then comes back, fully healed and, and now radioactive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, so I've actually listened to quite a lot, because RPPR, um, yeah. or one of the people I currently listen to lots of podcasts from, um, partly because it's not something that particularly strikes me that I'm interested in playing, but it's quite interesting to listen to them play it. Or at least the types of games they tend to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, so I, th- I think the the device of why are you doing this, it's because you are part of a secret conspiracy and you're expressly ordered to do it, and you're also the kind of people who go and do dangerous things, is a good setup for it. Um, you know, it gives you the motivation, it gives you the frame for why are we doing this exactly and why are we going to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. It definitely works in a, in a, in a, in a modern setting. I, I, like I say, I mean, you, you've kind of given me a bit of a, um, epiphany, uh, Roger of the, uh, um, you're doing it because you miss the thrill of the war. Mm. I think that, that, as you say, that, that's definitely, it, it's it in, for, for, for the 1920s especially that's very much that, that in the actual most of the literature but again I don't think mo- any, many of us, in fact I don't think we've ever really that's been our main reason for 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 wanting to mm. you know quite literally look where the sun doth not shine you mm. know yeah and then I think you know, and this isn't limited to Delta Green, but one of the reasons why Delta Green, I think, works is, you know, most of the time, the things you're going to do in a Delta Green game, for example, are actually not massively more dangerous than the things you do if you already work as, a, you know, Navy SEAL or, uh, you know, some kind of high-risk government agent. Mm-hmm. You know, because if you, if what you tend to do in your office hours is try and arrest drug barons or get parachuted into war-torn countries to try and destabilise their governments, mm-hmm. um, and you're getting shot at a lot all the time anyway, you know, is there a lot of difference for the, the for the characters in? Okay, now we're trying to break into a house full of cultists in Texas, and we're going to get shot at a lot, and there are probably mm-hmm. dangerous, scary things in there. Versus doing that in whichever part of the Middle East you're currently being sent to terrorise. In Texas, the weapons will be cleaner. Possibly. Um, Yeah, you know, and obviously some of the time what's happening is, oh look, there's a Bayaki, Mm -hmm. which is definitely scary and sanity blasting, but from a strictly 
danger point of view, is not necessarily more dangerous than improvised explosive devices. Yeah. Both might be in a house and both might kill you. So mm. it, it, it sort of, it makes it seem more reasonable that you might keep doing these things even after one mission. But going back to the conversation we were having last time, Mm-hmm. Is that Call of Cthulhu? Well, not not anymore, technically, because it's now their own rule set. But uh, <laughs> yes, but you know what I mean. Is it? Mm. I, um, I I think it's with, within the span. I mean, we, we, I think we said last time it's a pretty broad church. Yeah. Mm. Um, I. I I'm not particularly a fan of the gumshoe system for for various reasons, but one of the things that I think Trail of Cthulhu did get right was addressing motivation. Uh, mm. you, it, as part of character generation, you have to say, I do this crap because... whatever. Mm. And, and obviously that, that hands a thing to the GM to say, OK, this is why you're getting involved in this, this sort of thing again. Mm. Yeah. I think, in terms of, is it called Cthulhu... I think it can be. Um, so, you know, I think even a game where you are all retired Navy SEALs who have been mysteriously called up to go into a house and it turns out there's a Bayaki in there, um, you know, I think that can still play very much like what you would think of as a more classic Call of Cthulhu thing. Because even if there's, you know, six of you with submachine mm. guns and you're walking into a house that contains Bayakis. In terms of the the narrative and in terms of what actually happens and your experience in play, that doesn't necessarily have to be massively different from the experience where um, you know, you're know you all retired librarians and you're walking into a house where there's a Bayaki. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I but can, it can provide the... You know, it can be and more you of can a, get something yeah. quite You can get some quite interesting... Uh, things of you know, if somebody starts failing their sand ro- sand, sand rolls, mm-hmm. um, I mean, to me, one of the uh, to, um, one of the better films, though obviously it's nothing. This is nothing to do with Call of Cthulhu, but it kind of gets the right idea across for some things. I think is the Abyss, where you yeah. have quite literally a bunch of Navy SEALs go down, and one of them starts getting pressure sickness, uh, and actually you know it is the equivalent of he is going you know he he is hitting the sand the going down the sand loss uh, train mm-hmm. and uh choo choo away he goes and mm. um suddenly he everything else that's going on becomes secondary for the fact that there is somebody who is incredibly highly trained um in, happens to be the main person in charge uh which is always that little bit more exciting as well yeah. Um, and is now madder than a bag of frogs. And th- this, of course, is another reason why you can't balance a Call of Cthulhu adventure. Yes. Because, <laughs> you know, you could balance it perfectly and then one of the PCs flips. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, I, mean, I was thinking about this a little bit, actually. I think that aspect of the sanity rules is one of the more unique and interesting things about it in mm. that. If you're playing Call of Cthulhu game, at least if you've played it before, um, part of what you're signing up for is not being completely in control of your character. Yeah. 
and I think that's one of the the things that does make it distinctly different from you know even another relatively modern game that's in you know an, another investigative modern game or another horror game um potentially that doesn't try to do the same thing um you know that idea that you're you're not always control you're not even always even in control of what your character feels yeah um, yeah. yeah and i there are now other games where that sort of thing may happen to you but i think call of cthulhu is, is still the best known of you sign up for this you're not expecting to come home with the treasure <laughs> yeah. yeah um and that and it i think it can be a very interesting from a role playing point of view if you enjoy inhabiting a character uh you know if you enjoy I wonder what will happen. I wonder what happens if I do this. How am I going to react to it? Not having that complete control and having that, um, you know, those wild cards thrown in. But then you're left to determine, you know, maybe exactly what your character does in response to the fact that they're now terrified of flaws or, uh, you know, um, or happen, or is an is an uh, a, a a World War One fighter ace who's now frightened of the sky, for mm, example. Mm, mm. Exactly. Um, Fly in so you can't see it. <laughs> uh, Actually, to be fair, if you'd have, if you'd have, if you'd have survived any longer, he probably would have. <laughs> yeah. He went well. He went well, the Eddie. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. Definitely. You're gonna go. You're gonna go. Go at a hundred miles an hour, or as close to as possible. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, into a cult leader. Yes. Um, yeah. Just, just kind of a quick look. What else did I did I come with? Oh yeah. So this is another thing that it sort of it came up a little bit. Um, so in terms of the what you know, because obviously we're just talking about Delta Green. And, you know, does this feel like Call of Does this feel like Lovecraft? I think one of the very big hurdles that games have to deal with in trying to make, firstly, something that is scary, potentially, if they want to do that, but also something that feels like a Lovecraft story, um, is the fact that Lovecraft stories are, I think fundamentally always about one protagonist. Yeah, you, you, you could scrape it a bit when you... Um, I've, I've even got the title of it, but you know, Armitage and his merry band go, go, going and bashing the invisible monster, just about. That's, yeah, that's the closest I can get of actual Lovecraft. I mean, obviously, once you get into Durleth or whatever, it goes... Sure. Uh, more, it goes broader. But of the, you know, and even, you know, related things that might be an inspiration like Karnaki and so on, they're still fundamentally, here is, here there is one character who is a protagonist, mm-hmm. and they are the person, and it's, you know, it's very, very intimate, it's almost always first person. Um, it's their experiences with something that either they are exposed to, you know, they are the subject of this horror, themselves um, or they're involved in it somehow um, so you've got that sort of double whammy of the you know the experience of a single character 
versus a small, even a small group of people whose, you know, the situations they find themselves in feel very different if there's several of you. And especially for horror where you can rely on your friends, at least to some extent. Yeah, you, you're right not, you're not you alone. But, but, I mean, you know, obviously when you're in a gaming group, in most games, not all, but in most games, if you're in a gaming group, you know, no matter how you try, you know that your friends are actually playing, it's your actual friends playing these characters, mm-hmm. and you're all working together to try and solve X, Y, Z. Hmm. So, um, so I think, I think that, you know, that does significantly change the, the atmosphere that you get I don't think the same type of horror stories lend themselves quite as well to it. Yeah. Um, and also a much smaller proportion of games are about things that you are the subject of. Yeah, and the, what, one example of that is uh, Cthulhu Confidential. Hmm. Uh, which I have played one scenario of with, with uh, Michael Kuhl, uh for hmm. IRTD, um, and that was quite fun. But when we were talking about it, it was clearly an awful lot of work uh, to write an adventure for it. Um, you have basically you have to think of a lot more possible outcomes and prepare status cards, condition cards, whatever for them. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can do Call of Cthulhu where the player characters are the people affected by whatever the horror is at the time. Mm. Um, but, you know, if you think, you know, the classic Lovecrafts, you know, it's things like Shadow of Rinsmouth. You've gone to Rinsmouth for some reason. You felt like it. You're intrigued by the things and now you're trapped. Yeah. Um, you know, the dreams in the witch house. Uh, not first person, um, but uh, you know the protagonist is the one experiencing the dreams. Is the one all the weird things are happening to, and and he's the one who's digging himself in deeper. Exactly. Whereas in Cork Cthulhu, it's virtually always okay. This guy in this house is acting weirdly, or your great uncle has asked you to do such and such a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I mean, it's not. It's not a. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I just think it. You don't quite get the Lovecraftian. Yeah, it there's a. It's never going to be the same as a Lovecraft story. So you have to decide what it is you're trying to recreate about that. Um, and how to best do it. I think you know that's the challenge for a game that wants to be Lovecraftian is how to give you an equivalent experience as a group of people who are probably not the actual people directly affected by the mythos. Yeah, and canonically, the group of investigators come into the town where you know, the colour has happened or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And again, like you said, you know, potentially even investigating several mysteries before they get retired... Uh, in which case, it, it does start to be a bit Famous Five if they uh, are constantly... Uh, just happens that they are the person who finds the mysterious tablet or they are the person who 
uh, starts having weird mythos dreams or whatever. And if they I go mean, looking you... for it, it's Scooby Doo. Yeah, mm, exactly. I mean, so I've kind of played in two kind of very different variants on that. Uh, one of which was um, we got so heavily involved that at one point we got we were the ones getting summoned hmm. um, because we'd kind I mean but but again this was very much going down the things of you know you know if 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 Cthulhu comes along you wave your elder sign at him sort of thing you know and, mm. and, and, and very much very much kind of doing it from almost like as treating it as a role playing game rather than as a very different style of thing which was which was quite which was good fun mm. um and it took us a long time to get to that i hasten to add i mean that was <laughs> most of my uh first time at uni so that was that was most of three years of a campaign mm-hmm. uh with a very 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 weird uh gm to put it mildly but uh <laughs> um paul i wonder where paul if you're still alive i wonder where you are now <laughs> and whether you still have the sock uh but uh <clears throat> yeah um and the other one uh was um so we had our first adventure uh and then kind of as you were saying sort of shame, um we were then we would hear about stuff and then we'd go to see the aftermath and for the it was quite actually we had we had quite a good gm so for the first couple of times you went there and everything was finished and then we went there and we thought everything was finished it hadn't quite <laughs> and suddenly we're having to you know rather than just be investigate what the hell was going on because mm. and, and 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 our goal for investigation the real the wanting to to, to investigate was 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 kind of a little bit like um oh god do you remember the invaders they came from outer space. Okay. Yeah, uh, it was a 1950s thing where um, you shot them and they went and they turned red and and, and went. And there was this guy David, somebody um, who was wandering around and he'd hear about something and he was com- uh, one. The FBI were after him because hey, they were after everybody at that point. <laughs> Um, and two, and slightly more importantly, he thought he was going mad because no one else um, really knew about it. And so it ended up being that he slowly, slowly, slowly built up a load of people who knew about it. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it changed, and then the, the, the final series was quite a very different thing to the to, to, to the previous ones. Uh, but but it, but a lot of it was him going he'd heard something that almost like you know reading through i don't know the national Enquirer, the 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 american version of the sun and or the american sun and so on and so forth you know you're reading through something you look at it and go okay that sounds mad but i can believe that that actually might have really happened i'm going to go and see if see, you know see, <clears throat> see kind of what's there uh, there was a um, a role playing game. Uh, I think it was mid nineties. It might have been a bit later than that. Called Pandemonium, mm. uh, where um, it was all about basically um, 
well, it was a very odd game, full stop. But but mm. but but that was kind of the kind of the feel where you you were, in fact, you were reporters uh, yeah. for a thing, and you actually were going out and investigating this sort of thing. Um, and it again, that can kind of work. That but you that the reason why you're doing it is just to prove that you weren't actually going mad the first time. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A friend of mine run, ran a campaign set in the um, Laundry novels uh, yeah. ah, be- yes. be- before the RPG came out. Um, yeah. But he, his basic model was take a Call of Cthulhu adventure, assume that the player characters have messed up and, and, and failed in their job, work out what the aftermath will be, and that, that is the situation we get briefed on to try to go and fix. Yes. And that worked yes. pretty well. Smile hmm. sweetly at the lady with the uh, uh, w- with the violin. Hey. So, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So I, I think there's a, a lot of variety in what you can do, um, and still be sort of within scope. Hmm. Yeah, um, and one one thing I've been, I've been looking at vaguely. Um, you know, Nick is of course running masks, and I'm looking forward to playing more of that. Mm. Um, but I'm giving some thought at some point, either interleaved with it or later, uh, to running Two-Headed Serpent, which is very much the pulp game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the, the first published adventure for Pulp Cthulhu, I think. Yes. And it, it would be fair to argue that this is not really Cthulhu as we know it, in that you know, you've, you've got extra hit points, you've got a, a, extra sanity. You know, when you go mad, you get special insanity powers. Mm-hmm. But as yeah, it, it's certainly not in the same place. But if, if if it's drifting towards you know Indiana Jones, I don't think any of us is going to complain. No, 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 not at all. There's um, nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with playing with playing it like Indiana Jones. You know, you can play it. Um, you know, a bit like the thing. Where everyone dies at the end, or you can play it like Indiana Jones, where the bad guys die and the good guys, you know, ride off with a girl, and most of their sanity and um, <laughs> extremities intact, sort of thing. Mm. Yeah. yeah, don't ask about the submarine trip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I, I think one of the nice things about it is actually how flexible the experience can be within technically the same system, the same setting, the same genre. Um, mm. You know, it can be all the way from this is actually a very, very serious and potentially quite gruelling game, which I know some people run. Uh, I occasionally, you know, I know there are scenarios published aiming at that uh, that, yeah, that, that there's the at least one for Trail which is designed as you cannot win this. Yeah. Um, you know, there are things that are meant to be, you know, a, a straight-faced, serious horror game about horror. And there are things which are genuinely ridiculous. And there's quite a lot of scope all the way in between. And either depending on your tastes or your moods, that can be absolutely fine but you know people generally say well it's all the same game mm-hmm. um, you don't you don't need any special knowledge you don't need to learn a new system you don't need to uh, you know really get used to very much other than getting a feel for what the group is playing like yeah and, and you, you could say something about you know the equivalent of dramatic conventions 
<laughs> you know, is, is it a sensible thing to let the villains capture you so, so that they will explain their plan to you, or should you fight to the death to prevent being captured? That sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, or, you know, is this the one where you go, um, I found a big scary looking book. That's probably bad. We should turn it over to the police. <laughs> or is it one where you go, that's a, that's a tome full of dangerous, insane knowledge, you fool, don't touch it. Or is it the one where you go, I wonder what kind of knowledge they have kept in this tome. Come, <laughs> Professor, let us read it. Yes. Uh, you know, and that, again, those are all, those are all house styles, if you like. Um, yeah. Or, 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 you know, scenario dependent, even. Um, hmm. But, yeah. I mean, it is a game where if you wanted to just run Call of Cthulhu scenarios, you could be playing something very different every single week. Uh, not if you're playing the Watson Hall, obviously, uh, every single year. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, they're all the same game, but they would feel very different. Yeah, I, we, we said last time that I, I, while I was aware of Call of Cthulhu, I didn't actually play it for quite a long time. Um, mm. One of the first scenarios I saw was one that was in White Dwarf, which was, okay, this, this is a space exploration party in the far future. Coming up against what 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 I now recognise as one of the classic Lovecraftian beasties, mm-hmm. and it didn't really need much in the way of special rules because yeah, it's yeah. still people. Okay, now now they got spacesuits and laser pistols. We need numbers for those, but that's it. Yeah, yes, spacesuits and laser pistols, which also don't work against that <laughs> <laughs> that particular beast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I. You know, just like if you were going to, if I presented you with something and said you had to run it, Roger, you would probably reach for GURPS. Just unless I had reason not to, yeah. Yeah, you know, if if it was okay, here is a film, here is a book, do a role playing game of it. You would tend to reach for the GURPS rules because that's your comfortable, convenient. I I suspect Roger would probably do similar to myself. It's Mm. a combination of It, it works and I'm familiar with it. Yeah. He'd, he'd stat everything up in GURPS and then go, okay, well, that's all great. Is this the best system to run it in? <laughs> well, I, I've, I've just started uh, with with a different group uh, run, running a Firefly campaign in Genesis. Yes. Uh, because I, oh, it, it yeah. seems such a perfect fit for that particular style it of does. play. It does. It really I does. I remember it. you mentioning it, actually, when you were talking about uh, Genesis the other day. Yeah, I mean, I know, yeah. I know John's not a fan, but uh, what, once I'm, yeah, I, as I'm getting over that hump of how the system works, I'm really getting to like it. So, mm, could yeah. you do Call of Cthulhu in it? It would be, it would be Pop Cthulhu, but you probably could. Yeah, yeah, and it would be a different game. And 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 again, we go back to. I think the rules are definitely part of the flavour mm. of playing it and part of the thing I mean you know everyone remembers their first character that goes mad Yeah, mm-hmm. everyone remembers their first character who dies a, a, a very squishy death um, Yeah, I, I remember it, my character who, who um, had made himself so objectionable to the party that they left him on guard outside the old scary house <laughs> oh dearie dearie me and, and he heard the screams and then he heard the silence and then he decided that was a good time to go home yeah 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 excellent um yeah but i mean you know if i if i got a random story thrown at me to run something with 
unless I had a particular reason to do something else, I would probably just reach for Call of Cthulhu mm-hmm. and use the bits that look relevant, just because it's so uncomfortable with it. It's so transparent in terms of here's, an, here's a percentile number. Yeah, identity. percentages are really good for that. Yeah, you can throw modifiers onto it easily to adjust things uh, in terms of how difficult you want things to be. Um, so I think the you know the relative simplicity and the the low barrier to entry means it's quite good for um, introducing people to things, um, but also just for if you if you don't want to actually painstakingly design a system to do exactly what you want. Mm. Mm. It is quite a good system for somebody who doesn't really hasn't played role playing games before. Um, to to get their head around very quickly because at the end of the day a percentile everyone understands percentages um, and they know that say 60% is better than 5% for example mm. but they know that 5% will come up sometimes, not very often but mm. you know, one time in 20 with any luck uh, but um, it, it can work quite well for that um, and that's more intuitive than saying you have to roll a five or less on three d six. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, where that's kind of, as a role player, I'm more interested in rolling five or less on three d six because I know that that, for example, is about two and a half, two point eight percent. But um, it's yeah. actually about four point uh, four point six, which is why I chose it. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I'll- yeah. So, uh, um, yeah, you, you you were able to to do um, um, sort of similar similar things with other things, but but it, but they they're kind of it's 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 kind of logical. Um, and then when you come to actually sort of sort of shooting things, well, you've got different dice, but chances are it's probably going to be involving a d six at some point or yeah. Um, and again, I understand those, and so. It's not, it's a relatively easy thing to, to do. And as well, most people have come across a horror film story. Yeah. Mm. Um, to the point where they understand the basic. Yeah, I, d- you know, I don't think fantasy is as alien as it was in the early 80s now. Yeah. No. Yeah, particularly post World of Warcraft and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. If if you if you say to somebody, you know, you're 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 playing a warrior in a fantasy world, they'll 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 also know what you're talking about now. Yeah. 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 Um. Yeah. Just. I, I say. I mean, I, I, there's a reason why Watson all as a group plays more. Call of Cthulhu than, than pretty much anything else. Um, and I mean, I still think the summing up I think we did last time was the rules were good enough. Mm. The concept is a strong concept. And the fact that at some point, your character is going to go mad as a bag of, bag of frogs. Kind of suits our suits our role playing <laughs> style rather well. Yeah, <laughs> harsh words, but very true. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think it doesn't hurt that we are we are all happy to run it. We're all happy to play it. Mm. 
Yeah, it lets it means everyone can have go and everyone And and if yeah. so, say I you haven't run the system very much before um may find myself struggling a bit, but on the other hand you guys are all experienced players and mm. so you you can point at stuff if I mess up or whatever. And 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 to be fair as well, it's it's quite good for <coughs> hand wavy yeah. gaming. Mm. Um which is kind of my um sort of you know uh, th- th- there may have there may have been a scenario I probably should I've I've probably read it once probably when I first got it which was probably about three months ago I skim read it like I skim read it about twenty minutes before the uh, um, actual uh, game starts and um, away we go right okay so you know, um, yep uh, I don't think I've inflicted a completely ran um, uh, improvised thing within Call. Um, no, I might have actually. Uh, <laughs> uh, in the way that I that I have done in Forgotten Futures, but uh, again, it, it, in a lot of ways, it actually has the has a similar feel to Forgotten Futures. The rules are good enough. Yeah. Um, the background is a strong and generally quite exciting background. Hmm. Um, and. It is a style of play that kind of suits us. So, yeah, I think that something else that's just come when you mentioned Forgotten Futures was, um, I think they both benefit from not being too specific about, um, you know, because some games are very much you are exactly this type of person. This is how you fit into our really quite complicated setting, mm. and here are things you interact with. I suppose you could argue that the real world is actually quite a specific and complicated setting, but uh, but at least it's one we're familiar with. Yeah, I think a lot of recent games have taken the approach that, no, never mind for this particular campaign setting, but for the entire game, we will say, you are X who do Y. Yeah. If you ought to play a game about X who do Y, this is the game you buy. Yeah. And um, you, you can sort of do that in Call of Cthulhu, but both X and Y can get pretty fuzzy. Well... And as well, if you know, if if you 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 are X, you do Y, and then five scenarios later, you've you're pretty certain that Y is a load of rubbish, and you're now doing Z. <laughs> um, um, that's fine. That that's not a bad thing. That's that that's well within the within the, the capabilities of the system. Okay, you mm. might now have an awful lot of um, skills where you know combat accountancy maybe isn't quite the. Uh, exciting thing that you thought it was <laughs> um and um um but at least you know you your character can move forward it can 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 improve you're able to do bits and pieces um and it's again you're not being railroaded by the system itself mm. which is one of the big things yeah know. and though the flip side of that i mean I, I've seen this in GURPS, that there is definitely in GURPS a skill of designing an effective character. And it is quite easy to start with, you know, here's a list of things I could get, and get a bunch of them, and end up with a character who isn't actually terribly good at any of them. Mm. Whereas, mm. even if you d- assign your skills more or less at random in Call of Cthulhu, you're going to have something you can do that's yeah. that's interesting. And, and of course, um, you, you've got a whole bunch of things that aren't part of the system that you can ju- that you can just make up. Yeah, 
Well, I mean, obviously one thing is, um, it, I think quite a lot of the time it lends itself well to, I, I hesitate to say looking at your character sheet and seeing what you can do, but thinking about what your character's strong points are and looking for a way to apply those to the problem. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, 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 than you have to do this, so you need to do that. And if it, you're no good at this, then tough. Mm. Yeah, I, I read somewhere somebody recently saying that they they really hated that that idea of here is a problem. I will look down my character sheet and see what I've got that that could help. But that to me is not not a terrible thing. Yeah, yes, yes, I have a skill that I that I can try to blandish the GM into saying is useful here. Yes. Okay. Not, maybe not um, everything being um, being streetwise. No, oh, ev- everything defaults uh, to demolition. But, uh, uh, <laughs> but yeah. Um, but there's but, nothing. Uh, yeah. But but for example, if you're trying to get into a house and there's different you ways don't of going have in. Lock picking. You, you know, can fast talk. You can um, yeah, you can you, climb. You, you can, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. you can. Well, you can attempt to. Uh, you can attempt, attempt to just. Use brute brute strength to open the door. Um, depending on what sort of game you're playing, you can summon something that um, will get you in there. <laughs> yeah, you can try um, and persuade the police that they should conduct a raid on the house, and then yes, you go exactly. in. You know, there's there's so many. Um, I, I think it it it's more flexible than a lot of. It. So, because I know, uh, I remember last time John was commenting on the number of skills. Yeah, uh, which I agree with to some extent. And um, some of them don't come up very often. One has to be fair. Yeah, I do think it's something where maybe it make it would make sense at the start of a game to, you know, so for example, if I was running a scenario, maybe what I should do is run an eye through the list and filter it and present a filtered list of skills in terms of if you want something that you actually roll dice about, here's the list of skills I suggest you have. Mm. But, you know, that doesn't mean you can't be a geologist. It just means that if you're a geologist, you can just narratively be a geologist. And if you ever have to roll anything to do with geology, you can roll on this general, you know, engineering skill or this general science skill or whatever Mm. it is that, you know, you happen to have. I think that's one thing that we could possibly bring in actually from GURPS is the the bang skills. Mm. Mm. Uh, Where if we're not particularly worried about what science we're doing but we need a character who has science um you basically have science with an exclamation mark or bang um and yeah the, the very first version of this was uh the sword in GURPS yeah. Washbucklers which was basically yes you can use a sword for fighting but you can also use your sword for lockpicking or escaping oh. from handcuffs or seduction oh. or you know. yes <laughs> Yeah, um, but you know, I, I think we could, so you know, the, rather than always using it as here is the list, we could. Um, and actually, it, I think from my very limited knowledge of GURPS, I think actually, uh, not compartmentalizing, what's the word? Uh, you know, adding and subtracting bits to get the bits you want for a particular game. Uh, modularizing, that's the word. Modularizing, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, well, I mean, that that always has been. The actual way that you are supposed to actually play GURPS is you mm. are supposed to pick and choose from the thing. There is a, there is a core set of stuff that you actually do. 
Mm. Um, and then you choose whether you want the advanced fighting. You choose whether you want to be, um, you know, doing a magic system where um, it's basically all about rituals and uh, bits and pieces, or you want to basically do something that's far more. Sort mm. of yeah, I mean, not not to go too far on this, but this this is something we see a lot on on the uh, GURPS forums. Some somebody comes along, they've they've played you know D and D, Pathfinder, that style of game, and they basically say something along the lines of, "How do I use everything in this book?" And the answer is, "No, you don't use everything in this book." Mm. Yeah, not in any single campaign. No. Yeah, or you know why uh, I don't like this because. I, I don't want to have to buy 50 books before I can play this game. Um, so you don't, you probably don't need the microscopy supplement, um, mm-hmm. to, to run this, this particular game. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, 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 I mean, which is, which is, I mean, to a certain extent, but that's the problem that when you come in from something like Pathfinder, mm. um, which actually, funnily enough, was there, was the thing Pathfinder was there to try and stop, mm. um, was after, um, D and D three point five, where uh, by the end you needed about fifteen books to roll up a character. Well, to actually and and to actually plan your character out, mm. because you would start off with two levels of fighter, then you would have a level of thief, then you would have a level of magic user, then yeah. you would go towards this prestige class, then that would allow you to go for this prestige class and so on and so forth yeah, yeah. And the other thing i heard of people doing there was i i will buy the latest splat book and then then my gm is running a pathfinder game so he will have to use it and he will have to allow it because it's an official published book yeah <sighs> which to be fair if you actually ever read the things in every single mm-hmm. thing literally from uh so 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 obviously um sort of uh as the game we're running at the moment, we're actually running uh, Red Book uh, Red Book D and D. Um, so we're not quite right at the beginning, but um, um, you know, um, um, we're, we're, we're probably still um, uh, we're probably still at energy. We probably haven't actually got anything solidifying into matter yet. <laughs> uh, from a uh, to take that analogy, uh, but um, we're. Um, and one of the things it it says right at the beginning is, right, okay, these set of rules are a set of guideline rules. You do not have to play it exactly as oh, yeah. it's written down. And that's been as as always that has been ignored. <laughs> well, that that's <laughs> a whole tangent into the history of role playing and D and D versus AD and D. Because mm, yes. one of the things AD and D was meant to be, I mean, a- apart from the Gary's Gary's thing that Dave didn't get credit for, um, yes. was the <laughs> the the specific locked down set of rules for tournament games. Yes, and, 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 and again, I, but that's, that's a lot of people. Where... A lot of people who came into it through that. I mean, I, I've talked to people who who were in some of the, some of those very early games before that happened, and and they were a lot more wild and freewheeling, and yeah. anything goes. Yeah. And yeah, many of them still play that way now. But I, th- I think that um, people who came in after after that transition are generally not. Um, and I think that's such a shame is, yeah. because you know, reading a set of rules and going, well, okay, well, you know, the, 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 I'll, 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 I'll give you a, a, a slight thing that's out of, out of thing. 
uh, you know, see, you know, reading about somebody who's, who's this boring standard bailiff and going, well, okay. There is no reason at all why he can't be a centaur. And actually, if he was a centaur, that would actually make an awful lot of logical sense for some of the other bits and pieces that's going on. Mm-hmm. Ah. Centaur. And yeah. Centaur he is, and, um, you know, and John's character now is probably banned from the keep. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, it, yeah, you know, uh, uh well, I, I notoriously, I'm, I'm, not actually very good at Pathfinder, so uh, my main GMing skills are wildly riffing on what people say and uh, inserting humorous characters. Yes. Um, like the extremely polite goblin with a very, very, very large axe for no apparent reason. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but yeah, you, you've, you've got to play with it, I think. Be, be playful with your... Yeah, well, it's like it's like it's like in um, in 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 John's one we had with with the goblin who had the cool hat. Hmm. Why did he have a cool hat, and where you know where where were the rest of his people, which we actually never did find. No. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but we all wanted his hat. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's it. You know, it's one of the things that I really enjoy about John's games. They they, they have that. Yeah. Just. Well, I think yeah. that's more the fact that he, he's he's quite good at choosing the scenarios that that kind of go with it. So, anyway, back to the uh, the topic of of the time, which is Call of Cthulhu. Um, we never digress. We never <laughs> we we never digress. We never uh, wildly go off topic and have to be drag kicking and screaming back. Normally, by John. Uh, mm. So uh, this is your fault, John. This is, yes, yes. So, how, however wild this is, it's all your fault. Um, is there anything else that we want to talk about? Is there anything else we think we haven't covered? Um, there's a reason why we've gone for two sessions, partly the fact that Shin wasn't able to make, make session one, uh, but probably slightly more importantly that this one we did feel we still had more to say after the first session. So, Yeah, and if, if, if there is a Watson Hall game, it's probably mm. called Cthulhu. Yeah. It's called Cthulhu, probably followed by Forgotten Futures. Mm. Yeah. And then there are other things that we have played more than one time. But those um, two are our go-to s- systems. I mean, one thing I'm... Uh, sort of, again, a lot of these things sort of came to mind when I was listening to you chatting about the previous one. Um, I think one way in which uh, you could say... Well, it sounds a bit mean if I say this is a Watson Hall thing. Um, <laughs> it isn't really. But I think one thing Call of Cthulhu does, which not that many other games tend to, past Magic are possibly accepted, um, is it lends itself quite well to relatively slow games. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you think about it in comparison to, for example, D&D, uh, Genesis... More, much more action-oriented games where it tends to be, okay, here's this thing happen and there'll be a flurry of action over the course of a few hours and maybe the next day another flurry of action. Um, Call of Cthulhu is much more amenable to things that take weeks or even months rather than just hours and days. Obviously, uh, you, you can have scenarios that take place over the course of a few hours. Mm. Uh, but you know, even the the rules for studying books in it <laughs> work on the basis that you might spend a year reading this book, 
and translating it from the original uh, Latin. Um, translating it from the original mad. <laughs> well, yeah. yes, indeed. Um, Into something you know, slightly. I, I, I remember um, a description really of regretting me. it ever since. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't remember. Which, it was one of the early uh, Call of Cthulhu books explaining that you know this isn't just. A, a neat manuscript in Latin. This, this is spidery writing and diagrams and arrows and mm. three people's annotations saying, no, no, this is nonsense. And, and, and you, you're having to make sense of all that. Yes. And the odd, and the odd, to, the odd bit that's, ri- that's written possibly in blood. Yeah. At least you <laughs> yeah. hope it's only blood. You need to pause uh, to unstick the pages and maybe scrape off the layer of, uh, I-core that is concealing some important words. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. yeah. So, you know, you've got that element, you've got the... Obviously, being in the 20s is another feature why things quite often take longer. You know, if you want to travel a long distance... Um, you're on a train often, or you're on a boat. You yeah. might be on an airplane. Uh, on a, well, you might well you might be on a Zeppelin. Um, mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I mean, at, the fa- at its fastest, if you're going across from London to um, New York... Um, mm. You are talking what, f- three days, four days. Yeah, you, usually more if they're not trying for a speed run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah if you're lucky, it's under a week. You know. Yeah. Um, so you've yeah, got, you know, but you've cost yeah, you know, but that's cost you mm. a fortune if it's you know just to get that far. Yeah, um, and you've got you know trying to because obviously investigative games tend to be about trying to piece things together. Mm. But it does feel like Call of Cthulhu is particularly okay with things being well, like in the books, actually. In, or you know, if you think about the Whisper in Darkness, there's a long correspondence during which information is gradually gathered. Yeah. Um, uh, the Call of Cthulhu itself, as the book, is someone pottering about, slowly getting information about a bunch of weird things that have happened. Mm. Um, and I think that's one of it, another one of its distinctive features that's quite a nice contrast to some of the more energetic games. It's quite good for, you know, if, if you're not a person Slow who has got, playing. yeah, you know, <laughs> because some games are really great for if you've got most of a weekend to just sit and mainline it. I think Call of Cthulhu works relatively well for the sort of thing we have to do these days, where it's a few hours once a week, uh, and, you know, you... What was it we were doing last week? Oh, yes, here's a bunch of clues that we had, and so on, and, oh, where should we go next? Let's, let's, let's... Oh, let's go and talk to this person. Mm. Mm. Um, You know, it's not quite so frantic. Um... And, I do and think you, that you can have bits where you are under time pressure, but yeah. but that doesn't have to be the entire game. Yeah. Um, so I think that, as well as being one of its interesting points as a game, is also something that fits quite well with the Watson Hall style, as well as with mm. um, the type of role playing that we do in this group, where it's yeah. you know once a week, short period. Yeah, the only difficulty is that I, I at least should take better notes about the state of the investigation so that we can spin up again quick, <laughs> quickly for the new session. But, uh, yes. Yeah, um, there is that. 
Um, but, but generally, we seem to manage reasonably well. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think that's quite nice. Um, another thing which I sort of... Sorry, completely unconnected, but... Um, so I was thinking about when you were... Talk- oh, this was when you were talking about the... Um, <laughs> uh, uh, people who found the spell Summon Dole. Hmm. Um, which reminded me, I think the way magic is handled is actually quite interesting. Because I think you can make a case that a lot of the time, magic in Call of Cthulhu is essentially an environmental feature. Mm. Or something like it. Much more than it is the piece of equipment it often becomes in other games. Yeah, um, I, I, I think uh, uh, if you're still a functional PC, you might have a spell or two. Mm. But most most of the magic is is happening. I, with, with the stuff I've run in, in a Lovecraftian setting, I don't think I've ever given PCs access to magic. Or, you know, or, or if they do, it's very often, you know, it's more like... Oh, you've managed to find the handbook that contains the reactor shutdown sequence instructions. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not even the key that shuts down the reactor. It's okay. You now you need to go to the reactor and you need to interact with something using this. Mm-hmm. Using you know, you need to perform this ritual at the reactor slash nest of deep ones um, to make the bad thing stop happening. Mm. Um, but it's, you know, you're not using this, it's not use spell on whatever. One of the things I really like about the Lovecraftian worldview is that all this stuff makes sense if you have this, if you have the sort of brain that can encompass it, but you don't. Mm. You know, if you can get the initial conditions the same, it will work the same way each time, but you can't, you can't even perceive some of the initial conditions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, but my, yeah. my my standard uh, analogy for this, or probably probably a metaphor, really, is you you are field mice playing in the combine harvester. You, <laughs> you you don't know what it's for. It may suddenly start and kill you. You may possibly be having some influence on it, but probably not very much. And certainly, the guy driving it doesn't care that you're there. Mm. <laughs> nice. Mm. Um, yeah. Wh- which. Now what I think of it is, is, I mean, that's the anti-power fantasy, but there are things in, in Call of Cthulhu which, which make it quite, quite a fantasy in itself. Um, I'm, I'm thinking of, for example, starting wealth. Most, yeah. most characters seem to have way, way more money than they need and they, they can afford, you know, the first class tickets and all that sort of thing. Some, yeah. some of the, some of the adventures explicit, I mean, horror on the Orange Express hands you a bag full of money. Yeah. Um, and you know, that, that's fun in itself. Yeah. And, Actually, yeah, that that is one of the things because actually, quite often, let's buy a thing, let's pay for a thing, let's pay a person to do something for us, is a completely valid way of dealing with situations in the game, mm. in a way that it typically wouldn't be in other games. Uh, I mean, you, you know. In general, it is frowned upon to uh, hire another team of investigators to deal with the situation for you uh, <laughs> while you stay at home and don't go mad. But you well, know, where's the fun in that? <laughs> but you know, um, as long as you are dealing with the situation in 
an interesting way. You know, I don't, I don't think many people would object to you saying, you know, oh, I'm going to hire a private eye to tail this person because they actually know what they're doing. And we mm-hmm. want to find out about that NPC mm-hmm. while we go off and do this other thing. Um, you know, or, oh, let's just, why don't we just buy a house in this village that we want to investigate? And then we've got a pretext for going there and doing things. Mm. You know, as long as it, as long as it makes sense, I think applying your credit rating or applying those features is, is much more usable than it might be in a game where you simply have a bag of gold pieces and a shopping list. Yeah, well, cre- credit rating as a proxy for social standing, I, I think is revolutionary, at least when, when this came out, because you really didn't mm. have characters who had social standing. Or, all right, you're doing RuneQuest because you've got, you know, Rune Lord status, Rune Priest status, stuff like that. But this, this is much more a functioning, complicated society hmm. and that's a thing you can use when did that come in because that wasn't in the first couple of editions was it um i don't have the very early ones available um so so second edition which is the one i started with um i don't remember credit rating i might be completely wrong and this is where i could really this is this is where john and nick who who's encyclopedic knowledge of the various different versions um seems to be so is a damn sight better than mine but i think i I seem to remember i think i jumped from second edition probably all the way through to fifth and then obviously in fifth it was very much a don't worry about money Mm -hmm. this is how you do it um and whereas I found it very intrusive and I didn't like it at all in, say, uh, D20 Modern, mm. um, I actually quite liked it in Cthulhu. That might mm. have been also, that might have also been, uh, the, uh, the, the role playing groups that I was, that I was with. Um, so, uh, it may, yeah. probably made a bit more sense. But, uh... I think credit rating and own language, I suppose, are both... They're both interesting skills which run into issues in certain points. Um, because, so for example, own language, I know, is... is you know, can be used to indicate your overall grasp of English, for example, mm-hmm. uh, an ability to talk to different types of people. Um, but then you, you know, you have to be careful, otherwise you run into the issue of, um, you know, Lord Nonsuch can talk comfortably with the other nobles, the priests, the uh, local lawyers, the tenant farmers, and the poachers who are running around his estate and everyone thinks, oh, what a nice chap, and uh, can chatter away to him quite happily in appropriate dialects. Um, whereas the poachers can't speak to the Lord in anything remember, resembling an appropriate thing. Mm. Because that's not how dialects and that's not how knowledge of different social norms works. You are, yes, but, but, but also you've got to remember that Lord, you know, the, the, the Lord is going to, who is not going to change his way of doing stuff at all. So him talking to the poachers as a Lord is fine. Him pretending to be another poacher. Yeah. Okay. Maybe not quite so logical. Um, yeah. 
and that's really where you start you you start doing bits and pieces and that's really where um, i guess where acting and um becomes more more, more the important stuff and so on. yeah no it's um it's just one of those things i think both of them are quite interesting because they're both essentially the if you look at them very simply, they're cumulative skills like everything else. Yeah. Mm. But actually, both of those are really more about uh, sort of where on the ruler you are, which band you fall into. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and same I, social status. I, I will admit, I, I, I for Rabbitsford, I decided to uh, push, push, to push credit rating as high as I could and see, see what would happen. Yeah. Oh, he's brilliant. I love Rabbit's Foot. He's yeah, great. He's but, great. but also Every he's, he's everyone not dominating loves the game. Foot, so. grounds, we've all, we all sponge <laughs> off him like there's no tomorrow. So. <laughs> yeah, but, and but he uh, is but, so uh, rich he doesn't notice. So. At, at the same time, he's, you know, he, he may well be the guy who buys your transatlantic liner tickets or at least makes sure they're first class, but I don't mm. think he's dominating the game. He's not dominating the narrative, so that's good. Oh, by no means. No, no, no. no means. And actually, occasionally, you know, it's little things like, okay, right, we need a base of operations. Have you got a house here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Only well, a little one. Yeah. Oh, oh. I, I really don't Only think twenty bedrooms. I, I think it's very much deploying that access to money and access to social connections in the same way as someone might deploy streetwise, mm. uh, for example. Or oh, there's a. I, we want to get into this place. I'll use my ridiculously high lock picking. Um, you know, it's just that it interacts with a different set of problems from those mm. skills. Yeah, I mean, if, if I were building him in GURPS, it would be a reputation, you know, oh, it's good old Rabbitsfoot. Mm. He's, he's, mm. he's always good for a party or whatever. Yeah. 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 Um, I, yeah, definitely don't think it's an issue. Um, but you see, it's another one, it, it, I suppose in a sense, it's using a limited resource, but I think the handling of resources in a way that isn't a separate spendable pool is quite nice as well. It's quite an, an interesting... Mm. I mean, the, the stuff in the rules to say, yes, this can go up and down. You know, if, if you get into a scandal, then, mm. then your credit rating may well drop. But I, I don't think I've seen that happen very much. No. Mm. Um. And let's be honest about it. Rabbit's foot could, have a, could, could probably assassinate the king and would still mm. probably wouldn't go down that much. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, people have mixed opinions on kings. You know, I mean, his father is, um, uh, well, possibly a, a, a rather unsavoury character. Hmm. We don't hmm. know. We've had it hinted, maybe, but... Uh... Well, let's face it, you don't get you don't get to become and stay that rich without being at least a bit unsavoury. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> you know, he, he he does occasionally uh, seem to attend the same parties that we do, except that we're trying to uh, kill the people there, and he's partying. But uh, well, not anymore. Uh, <laughs> 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 oh, yeah. I tell you what else, actually. Um, and again, your knowledge of more game systems is probably uh, going to contradict this, but I can't think of another game system where basically you just decide what your skills are going to be, and they can be whatever level you think is appropriate when you're first creating a character. Mm. Um, I suppose you've got limited points. Well, you, you've got a limited GURPS, pool, and, and in GURPS you've got a limited pool. Mm. Um, so I, th I think you can. I, th I think in GURPS there are more skills that you pretty much have to take if you're, yes. going, if you're going to be generally useful. Mm. Yes, that I definitely uh, agree with. So I think I think you can you can get away with focusing in quite a f in 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 a relatively few areas in Call of Cthulhu 
Oh. Whereas GURPS, definitely, you you probably have at least a spread of about. Well, in third edition, it was about twelve different skills, and I think that's about the same. As yeah, there, there are various uh, notes in, yeah. in so you know, every every character should have these skills. Every party should have someone who can do these skills. Yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you want to be the world's finest brain surgeon in Call of Cthulhu, I mean, yeah, your your keeper might not well, appreciate the, that idea. But No, the, the, the slightly scary thing is is how often you'll still fail. Well, <laughs> yes. Uh, but, I mean, even that, you know, it's, it's keeper mileage. I've played with people who are perfectly happy for people to start with a skill of 95 and a thing they're phenomenally good at. Yeah, because... I, know, but, I know, but you still will fail one time in 20. Well, yes. Uh, <laughs> which is which is part of the thing which is which is one of the good things I think in I, I, again um, and, and 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 that's where the rules are good enough mm. because at the end of the day it's a game and if we're playing um, something where oh we're never going to fail it's boring if we're mm. playing something where even when we're the well even when you know. If Rabbit's Foot um, needs to make a uh, credit check to actually get in somewhere, he's still got a reason. You know, he's still got a one in twenty chance of failing, um, mm. and that might. You know, he, he, he turns around and says, "Well, you know, my name is Blutz Blah," and the person at the door has never actually heard of him. Now, mm. that's yeah. probably only about a one in twenty chance with the guards on the door, uh, with the people on the door, but it can happen. Yeah, and I mean that as as well. That's that's partly the keeper's decision as to whether a role is necessary for something at all. Um, yeah, because certainly if I was if, if I'm running things, you know, and someone is extremely good at something, well, is it like the drive skill, for example? Typically, you don't roll the drive skill just to drive. No. Yeah, a, a, a while back I looked up um, stats on uh, something like total aircraft movements and total aircraft accidents, mm. and it, you, in practice, you know, no, normal people who are not particularly skilled pilots should have a failure rate of something like one in a hundred thousand. Of you know, the aircraft is at least a bit damaged. Yeah, but that's yeah. not really interesting in the game. Ninety-nine <laughs> percent no. is, is plenty. Yeah, fifty percent so, will do. You know, but but at, yeah, the, well, but at the same time, you know, if if you're doing a good weather flight with with a well-maintained aircraft and all the rest of it, it you don't have a fifty percent chance of something going horribly wrong. You just say, well, okay, you do it. Yeah. You know. Well, it's like you know, it's like Eddie, who was um, a World War One fighter ace. You know, one of the best pilots anybody'd ever seen. He had mm. a he had a drive skill and a flight and a pilot skill of sixty-five, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, and that was enough that most of the time, you know, very occasionally when I was rolling, um, I'd, 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 I'd fell, fell a particular role, but it was either, I mean, generally with the drive skill, it was, well, okay, you know, I sideswiped a car, um, or, mm. or might have, might have had to slow down below 100 miles an hour, you know, uh, as the pedestrians ran screaming out of the way, you know, as I drove through Central Park sort of thing, you know, but... Uh... Yeah, and I think particularly once you get to the point where you're comfortable running games uh, in general, you know, I think any reasonably experienced uh, GM can say, and well, I think... what's a reasonable consequence for this failure? Yeah, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a fail-fail. 
Yeah. Which again we were talking about I think last week uh that uh you you might um I think which was which which was um actually something that was in the black hack where um a fail isn't a fail. It you you still succeed but and something yeah. and, and and there is a consequence to yeah, well, you succeed the actual basic thing, and and I think that's quite a nice way of in a lot of the time uh, for the way that you know. It again, it depends whether you want to play a realistic game or whether you want to play Indiana Jones. Style. Well, there, there was a thing I was just looking at recently: uh, Greg Stolze's Termination Shock. And a, a thing he says in there, which I hadn't actually seen explicitly written down before, but I think makes a lot of sense, is basically, if if you are going to ask the player to roll the dice, you should be prepared for a success or for a failure, and they should be sufficiently interestingly different that that's a you know a decision mm. you want you want the dice to make. If you're yeah. going to say, okay, well that wasn't so bad, you manage you manage it, it just takes a bit longer. Well, just don't bother to roll at all. Yeah, yeah. Unless that time is an important factor sure. for. Whatever, because yeah. sometimes, yeah, you you pick the wrong road to go down. You got stuck in a traffic jam for twenty minutes. Mm. Might be a an interesting thing in you know a you know a real time event that is happening elsewhere in the sure. story. Uh, but yeah, in general, it's not going to be so unless you you know unless you have a good reason, you don't need to. So yeah, I, I wonder whether it's the the fuzziness of Call of Cthulhu that's one of its endearing and um, enduring qualities. Yeah, you know, because you a lot of the time you're going to have to make calls like that. I think I think it goes back to the rules are good enough. The rules are good enough. We can all look at look at a look at a thing, and as a GM, you can turn around and say, right, okay. You've got a sixty, seventy percent chance of doing something. Okay, I'm not. Do I need to make a make you roll for this? Probably not. You've got a thirty percent chance of doing it. Oh, I think I'll just make you make that roll. You've mm. got a five percent chance of doing something. Right, I'm going to make you roll every single time because I don't <laughs> think you're likely to do it apart from that one time in twenty that mm. um, yeah. you, you know you, you're going to do it. Um, and I think that's that's kind of. That that intuitive feeling is part of why it's uh, it goes back to your thing, uh, Shim, where it's an easy it's an easy system to GM. Yeah, I think I think it's a if you're a person who is comfortable without a very structured framework of rules to work on, and obviously some people prefer to have a, a very structured framework that they can feel confident mm. in and mm. uh, you know if you're a person who's comfortable playing that sort of slightly fast and loose approach to things I think it, it is yeah it is very much a this is good enough for what I need so I don't need any more mm. right I think we've probably said, said the things we ought to say um, I think so yeah yeah so I think that's, but I think, like I said, I think there is a good reason why we chose to do it, talk about it twice, and and why we all keep coming back to it, and yeah. why we still enjoy keep coming back to it, and probably, as I said, between this and Forgotten Futures, it's probably the 
they're the two the kind of suit hour role playing style as mm. close to anything that we can um i would still argue that gurps would make an would make a very nice third to the uh, <laughs> uh to, to, to the thing but that's partly uh, p- personal opinion um and uh you know we've never really gone down the well what we're doing now with the uh with the red book for for D and D, so uh, mm. so it'll be interesting. Yeah, I mean there, yeah. there are several versions that you've mentioned as things one of one of both of you might run that I've never played. Yeah, so and it's and it, and it is quite so, so. I mean, I mean, I suspect now this is kind of this is probably chopped. We need to chop this probably bit off, but but off the end. But I mean, part of the reason. <laughs> oh, why you think I I'm going to edit this? Wanted, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, part of the reason why I wanted to. Um, um, to, to to start with Red Book and then maybe try AD and well, I want to do Red Book. I want to do something that's up around expert level, so we're not just playing just the just the low level characters. I want to play AD and D, kind of both at both levels, and I want to play something probably around three point five, and then probably hand over to Shim for Pathfinder, partly because. I think people need to understand where Pathfinder is coming from for, for yeah for mm. the three point five experience. <laughs> so uh, yeah, and I might even for that one I might even dig out um, a friend of mine's very very high level game where we were wandering around as very high level drow, but that's a whole different that, that's a whole different story. Hey, and, nice. and, and and one that might actually happen in twenty twenty one, twenty two, I would have thought. <laughs> anyway. Oh, don't don't that happens a little early to get delayed. Indeed, yes indeed. So so with that happy thought. Right, yeah. well, thank you, John. Bid you all um thank a you. Uh, fun fun good night and uh, we will see you on Tuesday. Don't forget, we're fighting wolves. Ooh. Well, by, by the time this comes out, that, that will have happened and we're all, we'll all be dead. So. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Oh. Definitely. Oh. Okay, brilliant. Okay. Cheers, guys. Bye. Cheers. See you. Cheers. Bye. Bye.